What's up, football-loving maniacs? Time for another special off-season splendid edition of Three Honest Lads. That's right. You heard the news. It's no longer a walk of fame. The Golden Panther himself is in the building. Employed his trade in the native country of Venezuela. I would say it with an accent, but I don't want to be rude because I know speaking the Spanish. Je parle un petit peu de français. But my friend can flat out ball on the field. And then after he came to the United States, said, you know what? I'm going to step aside. I've decided I'm not going to play anymore. And I'm going to school you guys a bit more off the field. He's pulling the strings. He's the new manager of the Oakland Roots, cemented himself in the East, traded that for the, the big bad wolf that was Phoenix Rising. And now we are at the top of the turning point in the Western Conference, Oakland Roots, Juan Gatta. What's up, buddy? <laughs> How are you, brother? Wow, that was that was incredible, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got to uh, give you your credit, man. I got to pay the due. You're a legend, man. We, we talk too much not to be able to give you your justification. How the hell are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm texting my agent right now. He's, right? he's fired. You're my new agent from now I'm on. I'm the hype right? guy, bro. The hype guy. Just yeah. bring me into when you come in from the sideline. That's what you tell Tommy Huddle. You say, Tommy, here's the deal. In order to complete this deal, every time my team walks out the tunnel, I need Devin hyping us up, <laughs> giving us the motivation to go whoop some you-know-what. Should I say it, guys? I'm just going to say it. And I'll make the producer a little bit work a little bit more. Whoop that just like they did to El Paso Locomotive. Promise you that's going to be more frequent with this man at the helm. All right, so let's just get right down into it, bro. Um uh, anybody within the industry knows the talent that you've had on the field. Everybody knows off the field what a great person you are. And within the coaching circles, your name has been tossed around for quite a bit of time with the talent, the dedication, the desire, and the motivation to go get it done. How did this happen? When did the Oakland Roots come onto your radar and how did it play out? Um, brother, it was interesting, right? Because um, it was it was in the middle of the season. Towards probably, I'll say, towards the end, we probably had a month and a half left. And Oakland reached out directly to, to Phoenix. They, I believe they called Bobby or Rick. I, I can't remember which one of, of, of them it was. And, and they asked, they said, listen, we're in the search for a head coach for next year. And, uh, and we would like to interview Juan. We want to talk to Juan. Uh, we're very interested. And um, obviously, Bobby came to me and, 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 and so did Rick. And what I said first, I said, okay, this is something that I would like to explore. But um, I want to do it when the season is done. I don't want to be going through you know what I mean, interview processes or talking to other clubs um while while i'm in phoenix and, and and we're in the middle of competition so that's how it started and uh, then they reached out back to to oakland and and thankfully oakland understood and and they respected that and uh we didn't talk till till the season uh, pretty much was done and then after the season was done obviously we we reconnected and uh we started conversations and um and here i am today man it's been a an interesting ride it was an interesting process obviously I was still under contract with Phoenix and um, it wasn't an easy decision, man. Everybody knows that and everybody that knows me and, and understands how much um, love, respect I, I have for Phoenix. Um, it, it wasn't an easy decision, but I believe what, um, what Oakland wants to build, Devin, and, 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 and they're giving me the opportunity to, to be an important piece in what they're trying to build. And they're giving me a lot of, a lot of say and responsibility in it. So this is what it was very interesting to me. There were there were other calls. My phone rang and 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 my agent's phone phone rang at at, at the end of the season. But um, I believe what what Oakland represents not just so much as a soccer team, but as an organization and and the, that true identity that they have 
um, I think it was what, what was important for me. Yes, I understand that it's not going to be easy. Um, I, I know the numbers in, in, in teams that have been in the past in the USL championships, and I know the numbers that I have to handle now. Um, I understand um, who we're going to be facing. I, I, I know there's going to be a lot of challenges ahead. But, but to be honest with you, that's, that's what fires me, man. That's what, um, that's what triggers me. That's what motivates me. Um, I do think that um, at the end of the day, if you're successful or when you're successful and you look back and you said, I was able to achieve this um, with what, whatever I had versus other teams that had X or Y, um, when you put all of those things on the table and you, when you balance it out, I think that's what that's what truly, truly motivates me. And, and, and I hope you, you understand and the people that are listening understand what I'm trying to say. And, and it's that it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy. Um, but now I have the possibility to build something um, along a lot of people that are trying to build something special that is going to be meaningful. And, and it's going to represent something not just for me, but also for the community and for the city of Oakland. Well said. Dear Lord, not only not only is he talented, he's extremely articulate. And by the way, don't ever come on this side and try and be the host because you're better looking than I am and you'll take my job in a heartbeat. Appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, let's talk about that vision, by the way. So Oakland, a club. I mean, I made no quarrels about it at the beginning of the season, a lot of struggles. But that team that we t- that I just referenced at the beginning of the year was a very different one come the end of the year. Changes. It was chemistry. It was facilities. It was belief. Players. I mean, there was 30 plus players, probably closer to 40, actually, in and out of that system. And at the end of the year, there was this camaraderie within the group that they believed they could get it done. And you saw that within, obviously, their their upset match over El Paso Locomotive. So the belief was always there within the community. The players on the team achieved it at the end of the season. Now you come in. We were just talking off air before coming on that you've done some work. You've signed some players. There's there's always going to be more work to do. What are the expectations for you? And what should fans expect to see from a playing style and tactically that maybe is a little bit different or similar from their inaugural season? Yeah, that, that's great. So I'll start. You mentioned challenges from last year. Yes, there were a lot of challenges. And uh, and the outside perspective of the club and the organization, um, it's it's not perfect. It's not great right now. And that was one of the first things that I brought to the table when they called me. I said, we must, we must professionalize the whole organization and we must change it from inside out, from the nucleus of it, which is the players, which is that's the most important thing. I understand that um, being close to the community is key. I understand that being close to the community is a priority for what we're trying to build in Oakland. But we must understand that the most important asset that we have is the players. As simple as that. We must professionalize everything. All those mistakes that happened um, last year will change. And uh, and hopefully we're going to be able to tackle one at a time. But that's that was the first thing that I brought to the table. I said, if you guys want me here and if you guys want, want us to build something strong, something... Um, important something that's going to have longevity over time we must professionalize the club the organization starting from inside out from the players from the technical side and then once you have that you're going to be able to expand to the community and then your roots as we mention all the time are going to go as deep as as we want them to go so that was the first thing i said um I, I knew the challenges that were there presented. I did my homework when they called. So one of the first things that I asked, I said, what's going to happen with the training ground? Because I knew last year the players were driving 45 minutes, 40 minutes of training sessions that they were probably using three different facilities. They said, well, we're trying to figure something out. 
it, that first call, it wasn't clear. So I said, until you have some of these things lined up, um, then we can talk again because I will need this in order to build what you guys want. And then the second time they called, they said, okay, it's it's been finalized. It's done. We signed a deal with the city and we're going to have the the Oakland Raiders training ground, training facility. It's going to be ours. It's going to be all rebranded. We already have, um, you know I mean, I have made a deal with the city and it's going to be there. I said, okay, wow, that's that's important. Then we're talking about this is going to be the best training facility in the USL. It's top of the line. It's 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 unbelievable, brother. Uh, the, there's going to be two grass fields that have been overseed. It's beautiful. The inside is is immaculate. So that's going to allow me, first of all, the opportunity to professionalize the place where the players are going to be 60% of the times. They have to go there every day in the morning to train. So I needed them to have a place that they can call home and it could feel professional. It could feel that um that when they go to work, that they're happy to be there. Why do I do that? Because at the end of the day, if we can um, if we can manage the environment and if we make the environment as professional as we can, we're going to be able to influence the behavior of the player. As simple as that. Your environment is professional. The behavior of your player is most likely going to be as professional as that environment. That is going to allow us as technical staff to push the player and to demand for them. So that was a check mark, right? Boom, training ground was good. Second of all, I said, what's going on with the housing situation? We all know that it's very, very hard to find good, affordable housing in California. That's just um, another challenge that, that, that some of the teams in the West have, especially Oakland. There were problems and there were challenges last year. How are we thinking of fixing that? They said it's been fixed. I said, okay, let's go see them. Deb, you have to see where these guys are living. It's it's unbelievable. And, and that makes me happy because if I have a training ground that's top of the cl- top of the line, if where the players are living, it's top of the line. It's a place where they feel comfortable, where their families are happy, where after training they can go home and they can feel happy because they're in an environment, once again, that is professional, that is giving them everything they need. It's going to influence their behavior. So they're going to be probably, they're going to be happy. They're going to feel comfortable to be there. And then at the end of the day, that sense of belonging, that everything that we want to create from from the inside to the outside to the community, it's just going to be better. So I said, boom, okay, that is, that's been done. And then one of the, the most important ones for me and one of the hardest ones to transform, which is going to be the stadium, the facility. Where are we playing? Game days, right? We all know what happened with the turf last year. We all know that when we were playing the goalposts, all those things. I said, this is the hardest one and, and, and the one that we must focus and, and between all of us. Find a solution within our reality. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> I understand that we're in the USL and we also have a reality and, and we don't have a blank check to do exactly everything that we want. So I said, we must professionalize the venue as much as we can within our reality. Little changes, little things here and there um, will make the venue look much, much better and more professional until the next steps are taking uh, moving forward. Hopefully, we're going to have our own stadium pretty soon. Uh, the club, we haven't even kicked the first soccer ball in the training ground, in the new training ground that we have, renting it from the city. Ownerships and the investors group are already having a plan and making moves in order to build our own training ground so we can own it and we don't have to be renting it um, to the city. So this organization is taking right steps forward. And I do believe that um, they took hard hits last year, man, very, very hard hits because um, they, they were humble enough to explain to me and, and, and tell me how they had a plan of five years when they started at NISA to move to the USL championship. 
and uh, they found success so quickly and they got so excited and they were so happy and, and, and the reception from the community and from the town, from the city was so big that they said, let's just go to championship. And they did it and they were not ready. They were not ready and they understood that. So halfway through the year, uh, they hired people that were helping them make better decisions and they understood the decisions that needed to be made in order to professionalize the organization. And this is how we're moving forward. So little by little, um, I do believe we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of changes in the organization. And hopefully people from the outside, you guys are gonna start to see them as well. And um, and that's 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 the first goal that I put on the table for them. Obviously, we wanna win. Trust me, we want to be successful, man. Um, I'm bringing in people that want to compete, that are hungry, that are intense, that are aggressive, that understand what it takes to shift and change a culture and understand what it takes to win too. But before we win, we must professionalize the club. That's number one. Making sure that that outside perspective, the first thing that I thought when my phone rang and it was Oakland, it was me thinking that turf on the first game, they couldn't play. It was this other thing. It was a football post on the games. It was a different colors on the on the field on game days. Th- those were all the things that I was thinking. So every time um, this offseason that I pick up my phone and I call the player, I know what he's going to be thinking because I was thinking those things. So my first task, my first job is professionalize the organization. Everything we can from inside out. From January to June, that organization should be a shift. In June, everybody should say, wow. How are these people in Oakland doing it? Um, now they understand that what it needs to be done and they're making the right steps towards that direction. Doing all of those things and professionalizing everything is going to give us a better chance to be successful on the field. I truly, truly believe that, especially with the players and the technical staff that we're going to be bringing in. And then obviously we want to compete. Um, ownership and, and the investors group, the technical director, Jordan um, the, 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 the VP, Eric Yamamoto, they, they want to be a playoff team every year. And I understand that. I want that as well. So this is what we're going to shoot for. That, this first year, for me as a, as a head coach, for my technical staff and players, we're going to focus on that, brother. We're going to professionalize the organization. We're going to change the outside perspective. The outside face of the organization is hopefully going to change. And we're going to be a very solid professional club in the USL. And that hopefully it's going to allow us the opportunity to be a playoff team in the championship. Once we do that, we can be successful. Wow. Beautifully said. Uh, pretty much hits every nail on the head right there. Before we go any further with Oakland, I wanted to pick your brain on something. I actually saw a little tweet online about it, and I thought it was an interesting take. So from a playing perspective, you come to yeah, the United yeah. States, um, Tampa Rowdies, Cosmos, Indy 11, and then you transition as a player into a coaching position under Martin Rennie at Indy Indy 11, excuse me, then to Phoenix Rising under Rick Schantz. And in that transition, over the past couple of seasons, we've seen a couple of guys. Peter Ramage, Rambo, he goes back across seas with Newcastle United. Blair Gavin goes to Columbus Crew. He's making his way up through their coaching ranks. And now yourself. To me, that there's got to be something from a coaching standpoint. We know about all the results on the field, what those guys are capable of, the records, the wins, the goals, and all that stuff. But from a coaching standpoint, there is now a tree there within that organization that is starting to provide fruits of their labors elsewhere. Can you kind of describe what the coaching situation is like there and what gives people the opportunities to become successful outside of that realm? 
Yes, and you said it perfectly. I think Phoenix is an organization that provides a huge platform, not only for coaches, but I think for, for any staff member in Phoenix. Um, a week before the preseason started last year, um, our um, equipment manager went to Orlando, MLS, right? Um, halfway through the year, our team admin, Elena, went to the Charlotte team in the MLS. Uh, and I can keep name, naming people in the organization that... Um, that, that, that sometimes people don't see every day, but they still doing a magnificent job. And that platform that Phoenix provides, if you do your job properly, you're going to, you know what I mean? Like your phone will ring and people will get opportunities. With the coaching side in, in, in Phoenix and, and with Rick, um, the, the good thing about this, and I say the good thing because it was good for me and and um, maybe, you know what I mean? Not, it, it's not going to be good or, or, the, or the perfect scenario for other coaches. I'll say it for me, for example, um, Rick allows his coaching staff to execute depth. And that to me is um, is so important. As an assistant coach, my first year with Martin Rennie, Martin was completely different than Rick. Martin is very hands-on. He's a coach that, dude, he loves doing everything. He loves doing the videos and and the physical uh, and the, the mental aspect and the uh, you mean the, the warm-ups or, or the passing drills and then the tactical things. And then he's obviously he's exhausted at the end, but he enjoys it. He loves it. So I wasn't executing that much in Indy. I was more um, men managing. So I got to, to be able to, to be closer to the players, managing players, managing um, emotions, managing um, the, how they feel before and after games. And, and, and obviously I was coaching as well. I was doing video analysis. I was doing other stuff, but I was managing more than Indy. When Rick called, um, I knew it was going to be completely the other side of the coin because he called me and he said, Juan, I'm a manager. I love managing players. Um, I love managing uh, the ownership, the fans, uh, Bobby, the technical director. And I, I love to give my team to the to the assistant coach. So this is your team from mon- Monday through Friday. Then I'll coach them in the in the weekend. So that was the other side of the coin, right? I was going to be able to execute now because I was going to be able to put together training sessions, to put together game plans, to be able to execute, to coach more during training sessions and games. And this is what Phoenix Rising um, gives to the to the coaching staff that is there. And not just Phoenix Phoenix Rising. It's Rick. It's Rick Shans, right? Because uh, he's a great manager. He knows how to manage. He knows how to lead. He knows um, what to say and when to say things. And for the coaches, it's the same thing. He's he's managing the staff, but he's also allowing them and giving them room to execute. He gives you a voice. He gives you a platform. He puts a spotlight um, on top of you. And then, brother, obviously, then you have to deliver. You have to deliver because when you put in that 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 crest that that uniform it's it's pressure since day one i, I was telling rick i said it. it's it's incredible because it's like you're walking with a with a big target in your chest all year all year and 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 um it's good it's it's very um it's what i was used to um as a player it's like pretty much every monday you're getting ready to play a final on the weekend because all the teams are so hyped up they Everybody looks at the calendar and they said, okay, let me see. Boom, boom, boom. Let me see. When do we play Phoenix? Oh, okay. Everybody does that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. What do you think I did this year? As soon as I got the calendar, when do we play Phoenix? That's, that's just how it is. Right. But that, uh, that huge pressure and, and, and those levels of responsibility and being able to execute, I think make you grow. And, and I think people know that from, from, from the outside that the coaching staff and, and Phoenix, especially the assistant coaches, are executing a lot. And they, you know I mean, at the end of the day, hopefully the results go along with what they're doing and then they can be successful. 
Well said. Well said, man. Um, last one in terms of the transition to Oakland. Um, very different systems stylistically as a coach and, and a player too, but as a coach that you dealt with Indy compared to Phoenix, the East is different than the West. When we see Oakland on Saturday nights, Sunday afternoons, Sunday nights, you know, game of the weeks, maybe hint, hint. I'm not really sure. I'm not saying I heard anything about the schedule, but when we see Oakland step onto the pitch under the tutelage of Juan Guerra, what's, what are they going to look like? This is great, man. Cause um, you, you asked me this earlier and I try to avoid it a bit. Oh, I saw, I saw it. And, and, and cause you're this, you're very good at what you do, brother. And this is what I respect you, man. And I respect you a lot, but um, it's, it's interesting that cause um. I can sit over here and, and tell you a bunch of beautiful, amazing things that are going to get you all hyped up and, and, and the fans hyped up, right? But I want to be honest. I want to be honest. And at the end of the day, I think um, game styles and philosophies and all of that, um, you, you could have an idea of what do you want to do, do and how do you want to do it. But then at the end of the day, all those ideas are influenced by other aspects. Those aspects to me are, number one, what are the players that you have? Number two, what is the environment? What are you what are you playing? Where are you playing? How's the stadium? Is it turf? Is it grass? Is it um a hybrid version like Louisville had a few years ago with grass and turf and the same stadium? Is it a is it a baseball stadium? Is it a football stadium? Is it a soccer specific stadium? So so style of play can change, transform, and vary a lot, right? For me, it's very important first. Uh, and right now I'm in this building and transformational process to see if I can get to come to the club the players that I have targeted and identified. If I can get those players to come in, then I'm going to be able to play the way I envision the team playing. If some of those players don't come and we have to go a different route, then that's going to change, right? Because every coach can sit here and say, oh yeah, I'm very offensive minded. I'm going to play in the opponent's half and I'm going to do this, this is... Yeah, everybody wants to play like that, of course. But sometimes you need to do whatever it takes in order to win. And if that is transforming, if that is adapting, is that if that's being flexible, then we're going to be able to do that. I can tell you that we're going to be a team that is going to be very aggressive. We're going to be a team that is going to be intense. We're going to be a team that is not going to negotiate on hard work. We're going to be a team that every Monday when we start planning the game and we put together a game plan, we're going to go to win if we're playing away and we're going to try to win if we're playing at home. We're going to be a team that is going to be very, very hard to play at home, hopefully. And then also I want to build a team that um, th- that feels that that we must um, we must be, be the ones that... Um, that 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 can create. We must be the ones that that want to have the ball. We must be the team that um that wants to be the more intense and more aggressive. We want to try to play in the opponent's half as much as we can. Um, we want to try to attack with a lot of numbers, but we're not gonna. I mean, just because we're saying we're gonna attack with a lot of numbers and we're gonna be offensive minded, it doesn't mean we have to be vulnerable in defense. We have to be a team that is well balanced. We want to have a team that tactically they understand that in order to attack to a lot with a lot of numbers, we have to be well positioned and we have to understand that we must counterpret as, as soon as we lose the ball. So we're going to have principles that are going to be very easy to understand. And after we see in a few weeks, what are the players that we were able to bring in? How can we assemble this squad that we have that is going to dictate the way we want to play and the way not just we want to play, Davis, the way we must play in order to be able to achieve positive results. Then at the end of the day, coaching, whether anybody can read a book, I can give a book to my brother and they'll read a soccer book and they're going to understand about tactics and, and philosophies and game models. To me now is after knowing who are the players that we have, the 23, the 24 players that we have on the roster, 
how can I convince this group of players to play this way? I've said this before, and you probably heard this from me many of times, and I said this to my players all the time, in Indy, in Phoenix, and I'm going to say it in Oakland. I hate when players obey. That 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 to me is... It, 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 it has no no flavor in it. It has no no not, not a deep meaning. I like when players believe, and in order for a player to believe in what you're saying, um, you have to be honest with your message. Uh, your message has to be clear. It has to be simple, and it has to mean something. In 34 games, we're gonna have to go through turbulence moments. That's that's a first shirt, man. Any team, I can like, we could talk about. Tampa, Louisville, um, El Paso, everybody went through a turbulent moment in the, in, 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 during the year. Once that happens, if players are just obeying in what you're telling them, you lose a locker room. You can lose a locker room. It's very dangerous. But if you have a group that believes in the idea, that believes in what the technical staff is saying, once those turbulent moments come, everybody will keep pushing forward. They're going to have that sense of belonging. They're going to have that shared responsibility. And that is my job as a coach. First, as I said before, be able to assemble a team and see what are the personals that we have. After identifying those targets, trying to bring them in, if we can bring them in, making them believe in what we need to do in order to win, and then hopefully letting them execute. If they can execute and they believe in the message, hopefully we can assemble a club like we said in the beginning. Ownerships, investors, they want to have a a team that is in the playoffs every single year. Okay, but then I want to focus on having a team that is very professional, not just on the technical side, from the playing side, but as an organization, being able to have the players believe in what we want to build and then letting them execute. And hopefully we can be successful together, man. Beautifully said. That is the new gaffa, if you will, from Oakland Roots. Juan Guerra, Juan, thank you so much for joining us. I got to ask you a fun one before you go, by the way. Actually, two. Number one, if you had to hang one jersey from your playing career on your wall, and only one, what would it be from a team that you play for? What would it be? Who? If you just say FIU, you can't get in trouble. You know that, right? (laughs) I'm going to say Caracas FC. I have to be. Ah, Okay. Yeah, I was born there. Um, I used to go to the stadium when I was uh, a young, young, you know, I mean, young kid with with my dad. Um, I used to see Gio Savares play in that stadium when I was when I was a little kid, and then he coached me. I think Caracas FC represents um, a lot for me. No disrespect to 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 all the other clubs that I played for, because um, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I have a I have a, I'll call this a problem. I have a problem because, and my wife says this all the time to me and my family. They do. They said. Juan, you, you can't fall in love with every place you go to. And, and, <laughs> and it's true, brother. It's true. If I decide to go somewhere, I'm, I'm 100% invested. Um, they get 100% everything um, from me. And this is why for me is, I mean, I respect, I have a lot of respect for every place that I've been to, man. I, I honestly don't know if we've had anybody articulate anything to that fashion, in that nature, as clean into perfection as you have over the course of this interview. Um, that's one guy at one get a 16 on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry. I got to blow your spot up. I mean, you got 44,000 followers. I'm sure a couple more won't hurt you. The new man of Oakland roots, dude, long time coming, brother. Super happy for you, man. Everybody's stoked. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I can't wait to see what comes on the field, knowing what you're like off the field. Best of luck to you and your troops, my man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, I, I truly believe we're going to be able to build something special. Um, for me, obviously, the supporters play play a huge role in the transformation that we want to have in the organization on and off the field. 
but that but but you guys do as well, man. And and it is important for me as a as a head coach now. It's important for the players. It's important for the owners and the investors that when when you guys see things, you guys have to say them, man. And and we shouldn't be mad when we see things that um that that you guys talk either if it's from our club or other clubs. When things are not professional and when things are not done properly, they have to be said because if they're not said. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're not exposed and people think that they can cut corners and, and, and we shouldn't, man. Us as coaches, players and owners, we shouldn't cut corners if we want to make sure that, that soccer in North America gets to where we want it to be. And this is why you guys also play play a huge, huge role in this, man. And, and I appreciate it. It's easy for us as coaches to, to be able to jump on the phone or the, or the video conference call when things are going well. To be to be congratulated, but when things are also not going well, we should be able to jump on the phone as well to get on a call and 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 have um you know what I mean have a conversation about how to fix things when they're not going well. So this this I'll say to you is that you guys also play a key role in what we're trying to build. And when you guys see things that are not going well, feel free to say them, brother, because at the end of the day, this will help change. This will make an echo and people will listen. People will turn their necks and they will help us fix scenarios that sometimes we can't fix if people don't know. Just a reminder at the beginning, you said I was your agent. Now you're my agent because I'm going to get myself into trouble with that advice and you're going to come have to bail me out. Deal? <laughs> we'll, we'll switch a room. We got each other's backs. Good, good, good. Dude, go kick some butt in 2022, man. We'll speak soon. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. 